0: so nice to be here and see some familiar faces stephanie went along to vandalia uh just to tag along with um cameron and kathy so she's not speaking but she just wanted to tag along so she's there and um, so she said she's going to miss seeing everyone um But my kids are here, so some of you will remember them. Sam is now growing the pre-mustache. He just turned 11. (laughs) And um, he's wearing the same size shoes as me, um, but he's not quite as tall as me yet. Um, But yeah, um, so Cameron had asked if I would talk about service and serving, and and so I'm going to do that. But before I do, just maybe a quick update about... What's going on in South Carolina? Because like uh, Sarah said, we did plant a church down there. We moved down almost six years ago, and the church has been going for for just over five years. And things are really going well. And as you probably know, uh, we are working on planting New Day in London, England right now um, with Mike and Lucy Nunn. They're already doing monthly meetings, and they have a small leadership team gathering and then kind of like Cameron here, our our mind and our heart is on what else can we do? You know, how can we multiply and how can we um, just be faithful with what God has given us? And, uh, and so we're always looking at that. We're looking at planting churches in other places. and and um, And for me, that's really exciting. There are a lot of churches in the world today. But not all of those churches are reaching the next generation and not all of those churches are multiplying. And, um, and so someone needs to do it. The church needs to continually be growing and moving to reach and capture um, what God is doing next and the generations that are up and coming. And I love this. We have this guy uh clint and he was a professor in the navy he was teaching nuclear physics at the local naval base to the guys who drive the nuclear submarines and then after so many years he got restationed and so months ago he moved away and he called me on the fourth of july just to catch up and we were talking and and he said you know i really miss new day community church and I said, Oh, well we miss you too and he said, No, I mean I've been to eight churches and just as I've moved around getting training and and and, and I just none of them seem to be what I'm what I'm looking for anymore. And and he said and so he's this smart guy and so he said, So I asked the question, Well, why is that? Or what is it? about these eight churches and what is it about New Day Church? And um, and he said, and this is what I came up with, he said, I feel like at those eight churches that their emphasis is on living well and living a good life. And he said, but at New Day, I feel like the emphasis is on knowing God and on what are the works of Jesus. And he said, now I don't feel that I could go back to just trying to live life well, but I need to know God. And I need to have the works of Jesus in my life. And I said, well, that's really cool. Thank you. I said, I, I'm said, i going to write that down and, and send it to everyone in the church. And he said, actually, I want to write the letter. Can, can I do that? And I said, yeah, if you write the letter, that would be even better. So, but that's, that's what, why we need to multiply, is because that's not the focus of every church. And um, there's lots of great churches out there. But I'm just excited about multiplication and sending out, raising people up, um, training people, releasing them to do what they're called to do. Doesn't that sound exciting? Okay. And so because that is what's constantly on my mind and on my heart, um, a little bit of the angle of today's message is going to be, uh, on leadership. Okay. And so, but I think everyone will be able to grab something out of it. Also, Uh, servanthood is something that God has been speaking to me about over the last maybe five or six months. And so I'm going to tell some stories from my own life and maybe more than I would normally tell in a sermon um, just because this is what God has been highlighting for me as well. Is that okay to do that? All right. And I'm kind of on vacation, so it's a little bit easier just to tell some stories about my life than um, pull together something. So is that okay as well? We need to be at rest sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I just began to realize, probably at the at the end of the spring, maybe middle of the spring, that God was highlighting servanthood to me. And we happened to be teaching through the Gospel of Mark, uh, two chapters each week, and the theme of that Gospel is servanthood. Um, and so, if you want to learn more, read through that Gospel and see... The acts of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and see what He's doing. Because Jesus came to serve, right? Jesus, there, there's Jesus, our healer. There's Jesus, our shepherd. There's Jesus manifested in many different ways, our Savior. But there's also um, Jesus, our servant. Mark ten forty-five. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So one of the aspects of Jesus, who he is, is he is a servant. And, um, and it says he didn't come to serve, uh, or I mean, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so the implication is he didn't come to be served by us, but he came to serve us. He came to serve us. And now we are to, we want to be like Jesus, right? Yeah. So that means we're going to serve. Some, in some way, there, there's something in that. Um, so a few years ago, I was at this wedding, and it was up in Canada. John and Laura Patel, maybe some of you guys know them. And they just had this great venue. I mean, everything about it was amazing. Stephanie and I were in the wedding party, and everything was nice. You know, everything was like, wow. I mean, we're at this, this old... Ornate church um, in this quaint neighborhood in in the city of Toronto, and, um, and then riding in the the limo to the reception place. It was this old mill um, on this river in this again in another nice part of town, um, and just every part of it is amazing and nice. And here we are, but we also have our kids with us and my mother in law so it's shaping up to be a great vacation um actually i get along great with my mother-in-law um but the idea is that we have you know we're going to be at the wedding and our kids are there too and and so stephanie's mom is going to help watch the kids and so here we are we're going through the day we get through the ceremony we get through the reception, and then somewhere around dinner, we're, like, on eating at a table that's, like, on a platform like this up here, one of those long, you know, elevated tables with the white tablecloth, and we're just eating dinner. And I didn't realize this, but some people describe later that they start to see, like, the tablecloth moving and, like, pulling and, like, someone, like, peeking out from under it. And then this head pops up. And there's this boy on my lap um, who's Isaac, the three-year-old Isaac, with red hair, our um, second oldest son, and he just starts eating my food, and um, and it was kind of funny, but that was just the beginning, and so we kind of, we realized right right around, you know, the time the meals and the, the speeches are done that... Um, you know, we should get our kids home because uh, they're going to ruin the atmosphere. It's, there's, a, there's a thin line between entertaining and that was cute and then all of a sudden, like, too much, right? And so um, the problem is with any big city like Toronto is that to go anywhere takes forever because there's traffic jams. I mean, everything is sprawling, you know. And so it's like if we one of us leaves now to take your mom and the kids back to our hotel then by the time we get back everything will be finished you know so one of us is going to miss out on the entire rest of the reception right and and it's like well this is amazing here's all these friends all these people we love it's nice, and so none of us, neither one of us really wants to do that, right? And, um, and then our friend, uh, who's from North Carolina, just walks up to us, and we barely start discussing it. We barely start saying, okay, we, we're going to need to do something. And he says, well, just give me your keys, and I'll drive your family to the hotel for you. And I'm, and I'm thinking, why would, why would he do that? Because he's, he got married uh, the same time we did. They had young children as well, but their kids were at home with the grandparents. And so here he is with his wife on this trip to Canada. And it's like, you know, when you're, when you're newly married and have kids, you don't get many of those, do you? Right, and so this is ama- this is even more amazing for them, and I'm like, why would he give that up? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would he give up? I don't think I would do that. I think i would you know at that point in life, I think I would have been like a like, wow bummer man like see ya, like you know, like we've got stuff to do and um but he did. he took them, and he got back. As soon as we were ready to leave, and um, everyone was leaving, he arrived back just cheerful and happy. And and then years later, I asked him about it, and um, and I also noticed that he was always he was always accommodating other people. And so I asked him, like, why did you do that? You know, like, what what motivated you to do that? And he and he pointed to this scripture, Mark ten forty five as his life scripture and he said my whole life i want to exemplify the type of servanthood that christ did i i feel called to serve and to be a servant and so everything in his life is based on looking for an opportunity to serve someone else can you imagine that can you imagine living that way and, and we, we're still friends with him. We just stayed with them uh, at the beginning of last week on the way up. It's the same thing. He's still, that is still his focus. That is still his goal. And he's only growing in that more and more. And so for me, when God said, started to speak to me about servanthood, I thought of Brad and I said, okay, he is my example Of what God is talking about right Paul said follow me as I follow Christ and sometimes when God is calling you to grow you need a living example to look at to give you an idea of what that means it's not just ideas and theories and well what would that look like but someone out there is probably doing already what God is calling you to grow into And you can look at that person as an example and see. So I I, I was like, okay, so Brad is my example. But in those days, I looked at what he did, and to me, that looked like death. It's like, okay, he's giving up this amazing weekend, not the whole weekend, this evening, the most important part of this amazing weekend. He's giving that up to go drive Kids and a mom around in a minivan. Like, that, is, that looks like death. But then I realized it is death. Yeah. It is death, right? Jesus said in John 12, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Right? And so, it is death, but it's the kind of death that actually brings life. Right? He who tries to... He who loves his life will lose it. I mean, sometimes when we're trying to protect what's precious we actually lose something. And at the right time when we lay down our life, we actually gain more life. We actually release more life. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so at that time, I didn't have any taste for that type of action. I mean, obviously... I'm serving, volunteering in the church, trying to serve people around me, learning what it means to be married. You know, I've had other people do great acts of service for me. This isn't the first time. But there's something about this guy's life that's challenging to me. And, um, and what he did, it's like... And when I'd watch him, I'd watch the way he lives, it's like, that. I don't really have a taste for that, you know? But there's life in it. Okay. in leadership... Um, We're working on planting this church in London, England, and um, Mike and Lucy are the pastors. And so um, what does that look like for us to be their leaders? Well, we commit to talk to them on Skype once a week, and that's kind of a costly thing because our schedule is normally full. We do it on a Sunday afternoon. So maybe we've had church, we've had someone over for lunch, Maybe we even are meeting with someone later that evening. And then sandwiched in the middle, we're on the computer talking, completely exhausted, just saying, okay, what can we do to give these guys something? Um, It came time uh, where it felt like they really should come over and visit us. We should really connect face-to-face. They're about to start their monthly meetings. And so our church uh, sewed money into them so that they could fly over. And when they arrived, we gave them our bedroom because they have two small kids and our spare room is really small. And it's like, let's just give them the big room. We gave them one of our cars. We bought them a computer. You know, everything is about them. They got sick. Everyone in the house got the norovirus. Did anyone get that? That is not fun. I mean, people throwing up everywhere. And um, nothing about this is easy or suits us, right? But here's this baby church that we want to succeed. And when you get home from the hospital, you don't just give your baby 50 bucks and say good luck, right? <laughs> I mean, who serves? Like in, in, If you look at the model of leadership in the households, right? The parents are the the leaders but who serves who's the one that changes the diaper the baby doesn't change diapers right they provide diapers for you to change it's their gift to you and so in leadership we see that there's there's serving and um, and as God was speaking to me about this and challenging me and I started to look around in my life at places where I would say you know what that's enough, this is where I stop. Have you read the Boundaries book? The Boundaries book is good, right? But sometimes we can use boundaries to shut something down that's good. And, um, and I felt like God said, you know, what is, what is the capacity of your servanthood? What is the limit of your ability to serve? Well, that's the limit of your influence as a leader. You know? And not in a shaming way or in a condemning way, but in a, you know, well, what is your limit? When, when is it that you would say, well, that's enough, that's too much, that's gone too far? Well, that's when your influence stops. Um, that's the extent of it. And so it began to, he began to challenge me in that way. And you know of course there's there's more to it we don't just serve 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 all the time you know the amazing thing about Jesus is that he came to serve but he did it as a son you know he he said I only do what my what I see my father doing he didn't say I only do I only do what I see my master doing these words aren't mine but I only speak what my master says that's not the the source of his service wasn't to look to a master he came as a son who had a place who had full acceptance in his father's love and because he was fully loved and fully accepted he laid down everything to serve us right and so we get to serve in that same way and sometimes Jesus went off to the hills to be with God right And he didn't solve every problem that was in front of him, did he? Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be sitting here right now, would we? (laughs) You know? He kind of left some things undone. He left some problems unsolved. He only did what he saw the Father do. He only picked up the burdens and served in the way that he saw the Father leading him right so we can't just take this idea of servanthood and say well this will be my new paradigm i will serve every single need until i drop you know i'll take on every burden everyone's problem will be my problem that doesn't really work does it right we need discernment we need to be walking with the father and living with him okay so here is my final story and um We've got these four kids this past year, they were all in elementary school. And that's kind of intense. And elementary school is a lot different than when I was a kid. My memory of elementary school was you kind of walked there, you turned up, you listened to a bunch of stuff, you tried to do a bunch of stuff, and then you went home and, um, and forgot about it. And um, I don't know when I actually first started to do homework, I think it might have been in middle school or high school, but I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. But that's my memory of it. So when your kids come home from kindergarten and they have an hour worth of homework, it's kind of shocking. It's like, what is this? You know, like, you know, don't worry about it. So with, with the first one, with Sam... We did all that homework. He was the only one in school, and it was, like, at least an hour every night. He had to read a book every night, you know. When um, Isaac got to kindergarten, or maybe it was Lily, they did a, a parent-teacher meeting with all of the students and teachers and parents, and not the students, the teachers and parents, towards the end of the year, and they did a slideshow of what your children should be able to do at the end of the year, and it was basically write whole sentences with correct punctuation, spelling, and everything. Like, this is what we expect of your kindergartner, and you should, too. And I'm just thinking, like, I I thought it was, like, ABCs, Red you know, yellow, square, circle. Like, that's what I learned in kindergarten. So we're not always pushing the envelope with education in our house. We're kind of a little bit more laid back. But um, it became clear that one of my kids was a little bit behind in reading, and we just kind of let it go and let it go. And we thought, okay, well, I guess the school isn't going to teach them to read. So we will have to teach them to read. And I thought, I think... out of the Stephanie or myself, I am the more patient one, like, in things that require patience. She just wants things done now, and, you know, my demeanor is more patient, slow. So I thought, you know, I am the one who's going to do this. So I I say, hey, look, next week, we're going to start to learn to read, and it's going to be painful, and it will make you angry, and you'll want to give up and it'll be the hardest thing but we're going to do it anyway and they'd just be like yeah okay whatever and I would say that every night that's what we're going to do next week and then we got to next week and that's exactly what it was it was painful it was horrible it was angry and we just did it and so for two hours every night we would read a level one little tiny paperback book and um because this particular child, not that they weren't smart, but that they had no time or patience for this sort of thing, so it's like, oh, come on, come on, look, here we go. Look back. Okay, what is the first word? Okay, what is the first letter? No, come back. Come in the room. Come back. Okay, here we go. All right. What is the what is the second letter? Okay, what does it sound like? Okay, no. Okay, no. What? Remember, what does the first letter sound like? Okay. What is the Okay, what is, no, that's not, no. And on the inside, (laughs) that was really challenging because I already know how to read, right? I already know every word in the book and I could probably read it in 15 or 20 seconds from front to back. And to slow down to that pace and labor over each little detail like that, and stretch it out for two hours um, mingled with like outbursts of anger book throwing um, all sorts and the thing that really kept it on track is I said I'll I'll give you a nickel for every word you read and so I had a pile of nickels and I would drop one in a cup so they would hear that sound dropping and so I think they earned about fifty or sixty dollars that week Um, but it was really hard for both of us. It was really hard for both of us. And, um, but, and I didn't do any other homework. They have all this homework. And I just said, we're not doing any homework. And, um, and I wrote a note to the teacher. And then after a week, she wrote a note and said, what have you done? Like, this is amazing. You know, she's really picking it up. And so uh, the second week comes, and we move on to chapter books. I'm like, you know what, they're ready for a chapter book now. It's just going to take a little bit of time, but they're ready for that. So now we're reading Magic Treehouse chapter book, and um, and it's the same thing. It's just hours of reading, not to get through the whole book, but we're just going to read for hours and exercise this gift. Um, but at this point, Stephanie was actually here in Michigan at the, at the women's retreat, and so I had all the kids, and we would I'd do the reading in the evening after school, and the kids, our kids, you know, most people's kids are probably nice and quiet, but ours are like, they, they're quiet here and there in little pockets, but they just get wild. They get crazy. They want to do something fun. and um, And so all the kids are just blowing up. And I'm trying to sit here with one of them and read. Like, here it is. Okay, no. Now look at the first letter. No, you know this word. You, re- you read this word a hundred times yesterday. Like, it's the same word. Remember? What is that? Like, oh, you know, like, just trying to gentle voice. Because I know if I use um, any kind of intensity, it's over. Right? And, um, and so all of that stuff I have to hide on the inside of me and try to put this really nice voice on it. But at this point, I'm just about to lose it. And I'm like, now it's time to be angry. There is a time to be angry. Now is the time for Dad to get mad and be angry and tell him what it's like. And, um, and I just paused for a second. And I said, Lord, um, what do you want to say? And he said, um... He said, don't grow weary of serving your kids. And I was like, oh, I never thought of this as serving. I just thought of it as like, we need to get this done. <laughs> and so I went in, and, and what I realized is that all of my anger and frustration was the burden of their um, immaturity. And that was my burden to bear as their parent the burden of their immaturity, in order that I could raise them up into something greater like if i if I lost it, the learning would stop and so in order to teach how to read, I need to bear this on the inside, and so I did, and we went through it and um And I just had this whole thing of we need to bear with one another's weaknesses. You know, we need to bear with one another's weaknesses. And a lot of times when we get angry and frustrated with someone else, and when we use anger, I I don't think we're doing it the right way. There is a right place for anger, but I, I think a lot of times what we're saying is, could you take your burden away from me because I will not carry it? I will not carry your burden. And so, I don't know why this is, feels emotional, but here's my children, and I'm looking at, I just want peace. I just want everything to already be at a place where I can enjoy it. I want them to already be mature. I want them to already be, have arrived so that I don't have to work right now and I could just kick back and relax because it's the end of my day and God says don't grow weary of serving them and that word when, um, when the Bible says to bear with one another's weaknesses um, that word bear with means to hold up against and we need to hold ourselves up against the burden of other people or the immaturity and carry it you know how did Jesus bear with us? He said, how long will I bear with you? He, he, he became an absolute embarrassment for us when he died on the cross. And sometimes, rather than serving someone by sticking with them, when, they, when they're acting like an embarrassment, we just want to run away and hide and say, they're not with me. But he he became an embarrassment for us. That's how he served us. Right? So I think I've gone over the time here. But as we serve and as we're signing up back there, it's not just showing up and doing it, but we have the opportunity to manifest Jesus the servant and to do things in a manner that reveal the living God and give life to other people. As we lay down our lives in that manner, we have the opportunity to release life to others and to create life and to uh, manifest Jesus, the presence of Jesus as a servant. Isn't that amazing? All right, let's stand up and pray. Sorry, guys. I, actually, I, I thought I had till... Ten two, but I realized forty after is twenty two so until about a minute ago. well, Father, God, we love you and um, we want to serve you, God, we want to we want to press into a deeper place God there's just more to it we 've all served, we 've all been served we 've seen it, but there's just more there's more to it than we 've tasted and seen, and we want to press in and find what gives life and what releases life. Even if we have to lay down our lives for one another, God, we're, we're just willing to do that just so that we could reveal Christ, just so we could be Christ to someone else. And show us how to do that, God. Show us how. Speak to us and lead us into this with your heart and with your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen.